Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Help guide us into these things, so I hope you uh, join us, and that is also online. All right. Well, let's pray. Abba, we thank you for your presence this morning. We pray that your goodness would uh, infuse these words, that it would build up your congregation. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, let's start with two stories from the Midrash. This is from Echa Rabbah uh, 3.7, and they both uh, represent uh, or reference our special Haftorah portion from Ezekiel. So see if you can uh, find those connections. Rabbi Chia taught, there is a parable of a king who went out to war, and his sons were with him, and they annoyed him. Later the king went out by himself, and the sons were not with him. The king said, my sons were not with me, although they annoy me. So as to the king, this is the Holy One, blessed is he. And as to his sons, this is Israel. When Israel went out to war, the Holy One, blessed be he, went out with them. And when they provoked him, annoyed him, poked him, right? Uh, he did not uh, go out with them. And so that is when Israel was not in the land. That is the time of the exile. He said, Israel was not with me, although they provoke me. And so it is in these three verses. Oh, to be in the desert, the wilderness, at an encampment for wayfarers. Oh, to leave my people, Jeremiah 9.1. My people like they were when they were in the desert. And it is written, O mortal, when the house of Israel dwelt on their own soil, they defiled it with their ways and their deeds. That is from Ezekiel 36. That's this week's Haftar portion. But this do I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Lamentations 3.21. Rabbi Abba's son of Kahana, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, said, What parable is this thing like? Here's another story. To a king who married a wife and wrote a grand ketubah for her. Do you know what a ketubah is? It's the marriage document, it's the marriage uh, agreement. Uh, and he said to her, so I'm making chupas for you. Do you know what a chupa is? That's the canopy, right? The marriage canopy. We actually have uh, two people here present today that were holders of our um, Sonia and my uh, chupa our marriage canopy, and uh, one of them is uh, her visiting family, right? So yeah, welcome to them. Right? So, um, so the king is going to, to make the chuppah, so there, he's engaged, right? And he's going to make uh, expensive clothes. He's getting expensive clothes for his bride. So he goes off and uh, went to the sea province and beyond. And those who lived near the woman came and harassed her and said, the king has abandoned you and gone to the province of the sea and he's not going to return. And so she was weeping and sighing. How do you think she felt? 
right? She felt bad. And she went to the middle of her house and she opened and brought out the ketubah. That's the marriage uh, agreement, right? The document. And she read it and she saw in the ketubah, so I'm making chuppahs for you, I'm making marriage canopies, and I am giving expensive clothes to you. This was uh, the king's promise. Because of this, how do you think she felt? She was... She was happy. She was comforted by these words, right? After many days, the king came and said to her, My daughter, I am shocked. How have you stayed by me all these years? She said to him, My lord king, if not for the grand ketubah that you wrote and gave me, long ago the neighbors would have made me leave, right? Those are all her haters, right? Um, and uh, so the idolaters harass Israel, and they say to them, Your God hid his face from you and has removed his shekinah, his presence from you and he's not going to return to you right and so they weep and they sigh and when they gather at synagogues at the house of study and read in the Torah I will look with favor upon you and make you fertile and multiply you I will establish my home my abode in your midst and I will not spurn you I will be ever present in your midst Leviticus 26 then how do they feel they are comforted right Tomorrow, the end of the exile will come, the Holy One, blessed be he, says to them. My sons, I am shocked. How have you stayed by me all these years? And they say before him, Master of the universe, if not for your Torah, which you gave us, the nations would have made us leave, right? Those are the, the ones from the nations that are wicked, right? The haters, right? And saying, oh, God left you. Now you're in exile. You're all out of hope right? But what did they have? They had the ketubah, the marriage document, which is the what? The Torah, right? The promises in God's word. And this is the Torah. So David said, were not your teaching my delight, I would have perished in my affliction from Psalm 119. Therefore I have hope. And they unify his name twice a day and say, hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, Hashem is your God, Hashem is one. Right? And that is the end of the two stories from the Midrash. So these are stories of exile and return. The first one, the father is annoyed by his sons. So what does that cause? That causes distance, right? Sometimes there's distance in our families. As sons annoy their father, Israel provoked God in the Holy Land. So what happened? They defiled it. A Holy Land is supposed to be filled with holy people doing holy things, right? Filled with the presence of God, the Shekhinah, the abiding presence. The second story, that of the bride who is left for a long time engaged to the king. She's discouraged by her haters, but what do we tell her? You got to brush, brush your haters off, right? Don't worry about that. And she's encouraged when she looks at what? The ketubah, the marriage document, which represents the Torah, represents the word of God, right? So sometimes we might feel like uh, these haters are even inside our own heads, right? We get discouraged sometimes, right? We look around, we feel like God is far away, kind of like we're in exile, right? Now we know how this woman felt. Now we know how Israel felt. But what can we do? We can encourage ourselves when we look at the promises of God, the Torah, the covenants, the faithfulness of God. You know, both of these stories take the analogy of God as two different things. In the first story, God is what? He is the father 
and the king, right? Avinu Malkenu. And the second one, God is king and he is husband, right? This is the closest that the scriptures can get to describing God. It's hard to describe God, right? So it takes these close relationships, the closest ones that we have, like the relationship between a parent and child. That is how God is to us. Like the relationship between a husband and wife. That is how we understand God. The goal in on both of these stories is what? To be reunited, right? To come back from the exile, to return. You know, I don't like to be apart from my wife for very long. And uh, this was the same for my predecessor, Rabbi David Rudolph, here at Tikvat Israel. He has a wife from Japan, and so her family is there. One time, usually they go together, but one time she went to be with her family, and he stayed here for a few weeks. And I can tell you, he, uh, he was uh, not happy. And he was not a very emotional man, right? He didn't emote a lot, but uh, he would share with me how hard it was, and he was like counting down the days, and then the flight was delayed and he was all uh, he was all frustrated and uh, he and his teenage daughter Elisa went to meet uh, his wife at the airport and Elisa told me later it was uh, it was a little embarrassing right because you know her parents were they were in the airport and they were hugging and stuff and you know she's a teenage girl so that was a little awkward for her and I'm sure she's really glad that I'm sharing this in a, in a sermon Right? I, I mean, I probably shouldn't talk, though. Uh, you know, I go, go through the same thing when I'm not with Sonia. So I've gotten so used to, yeah. So a lot of times we're both working from home, but sometimes she actually goes in to the office. She'll drive in. And the day before, I'll look at her and I'll just say, so you going into work tomorrow? Maybe I can drive in and have lunch with you downtown, we'll go to a food cart. She'd be like, you'll be okay, right? <laughs> so as I mentioned, the husband-wife dynamic is so unique and intimate that it's a frequent analogy in the scriptures for God's relationship with us. It's kind of, it's kind of strange for us to think about, but this is how we understand closeness and intimacy. God is, in a sense, a husband to us, a husband to Israel, a husband to the followers of Yeshua. Right? And uh, this week's Haftarah portion opens with uh, this kind of striking analogy and it adds a dimension to it. So uh, this is from Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 16. The word of Adonai came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their way and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman and her nida. This is the, the regular cycle. So I poured out my fury on them for the blood which they had shed upon the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I scattered them among the nations so they were dispersed through the countries, right? That's the exile. That's the, the separation. Uh, according to their way and their deeds, I judged them. Wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name since it was said about them, these are the people of Adonai, yet they had to leave his land. What does that sound like? Sounds like the haters, right? Look, you, now you're not even in your own land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. So this is just the beginning of the story, but we see the turmoil, right? 
the uncleanness of Israel in the land is similar to, it's an analogy to the uncleanness of the Nida, a woman during her time of uncleanness. According to the Torah, this was a time of the month was supposed to be a separation between a husband and wife, right? And then what would happen? She would go to the mikvah, she would be cleansed with water, and they would be reunited, right? This is what we learn from Leviticus. This is the value of the Levitical um, the book, right? Is the idea of ritual uncleanness and uh, uh, and how that the life is in the blood, right? So any exiting of blood or fluid is like the exiting of the life force, right, of a person. And so what happens? They need to be cleansed with water before being reunited to their spouse. These are just categories that we don't think about in our modern times, but it's helpful to understand Leviticus and therefore helpful to understand all the Gospels and all of Scripture. But why is this particular analogy in the book of Ezekiel, right, with the, the time of the Nidah? And how does this affect the husband? Well, uh, the husband of Israel, God, is away from his bride for a time, right, during the exile, and therefore what? God longs for her. He misses her during this time, right? When we're separated from God, God longs for us, and we long for him. The medieval commentator Rashi affirms this. Scripture likened them to a woman in the period of her separation whose husband looks forward to when she will become clean and longs to return to her. So we can look at it through that lens, right, of a, of a reuniting afterward, which is what we see in the, in the next part of Ezekiel, but we'll get there. I'm just hinting that it's going to happen, so don't worry. We're not going to remain in exile, right? Just, uh, just you know, kind of separated. There's going to be a reuniting. It's going to be great. Okay? So likewise, there's a lot of joy uh, at repenting. We don't think about that all the time, right? But when we repent, then we come back home, right? We're reunited with God. So there's actually a joy to repentance. We think, oh, I'm so bad, right? I did all these bad things. No, it's not what it's about, right? It's about letting go of those things and reuniting with God, right? The Haftorah, the Haftorah and the Midrash mention uh, this idea of defiling the land. So what does defiling mean? What, are we, what was going on there? Well, we get an understanding of these categories from Leviticus, which is what we're reading through, right? Defiling means it's, it's made unholy, it's made unclean. And uh, in the prophets, this is made into a moral uncleanness, right? Um, there's a moral problem here. But this is from Leviticus 21, so we can understand just this word defiling. Then Adonai uh, said to Moses, speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, a Kohen is not to allow himself to become unclean for the dead among his people, except for his relatives that are nearest to him, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister who is near to him and who has no husband. For her he may allow himself to become unclean, but he is not to defile himself a husband among his people and so profane himself. So what makes the priest unclean? Being close to death, right? Being around death. And how does he become clean again? through the mikvah, through the washing, right? Uh, I like this translation here, if we look at it at the end, because we see that the priest is also like a what? A husband among his people, right? So the husband priest longs for his bride to be what? Purified, 
right? Because he longs for that intimacy. And what is it that defiles? What gets in the way of this, right? The exiting of the life force, right? Otherwise known as death. And we know that sin and death are related, right? That's what Paul writes about. These two are linked. So therefore, holiness and life are also related. Amen? The prophets explain that Israel became spiritually defiled and the life force left her. She was moving toward death and sin. And uh, that's what led to the exile. In Ezekiel's time, Israel is spiritually dead by her idolatry and injustice, right? So the blood in the land is, that we read is not only alluding to the earlier analogy, right? But the blood in the land is innocent blood being shed, right? That's violence. The people are supposed to be holy, but what are they doing? They're mistreating the poor, right? They're resorting to violence. They're worshiping other gods. Israel is doing these, these things that are unholy. And worse, not only does she profane herself, but she tarnishes, tarnishes the reputation of God, right? So they, they are supposed to carry the name of God. And here, the husband is God, and his name or reputation is profaned among the nations where Israel was scattered. The message is, that's communicated is this. This is what the haters are saying. The God of Israel couldn't save these people from being scattered all over the earth, right? Remember the haters from, from the Midrash story? This is that story again. So what do we understand from this? There's a, there's a really redemptive idea here. Even when Israel is in exile, far from home because of her uncleanness, she still has the same calling, the same purpose to reflect the God of Israel, right? It's still her job to sanctify the name of God. This is something I've had to learn over and over in my life, right? Our past mistakes don't define us. They don't prevent us from fulfilling our purpose. Adam and Eve, the first humans, are banished from Eden. So are they off the hook? They, they don't get to do what they're supposed to do anymore? No, because immediately God says to them, and he says to Noah, right? They should be fruitful and multiply, bring the knowledge of God to the ends of the earth. And they're still made in the image of God, right? That's what it says in Genesis 5. Right, right after Genesis 3, they're still reflecting the goodness of God. Israel is banished from the Holy Land, right? She's exiled. She still has a calling to be a light to the nations. And so it is with us, right? We are not defined by our past mistakes. We are still moving forward toward God, right? And even more so, right? Because then now they, they were exiled, they were among the nations, they had more of an opportunity to be a light, right? So you can, you can kind of reframe your mistakes in light of the love of God, because he wants to reunite. In the tradition of Leviticus, we know if there's uncleanness, then there's also an opportunity there. For what? For cleansing, for healing, for restoration, right? That's what Leviticus is about. How do you go from a clean state to an un un unclean state and vice versa, right? Well, just ask my wife, right? I'm running around all day, right? I get all sweaty and gross and I go in for a hug. And what does she say? Unclean, unclean, be thou my husband cleansed with the shower of water and the bar of soap, that thou mayest again hug and embrace me, for thou art stinkified. 
I might be paraphrasing, but it's, it's basically what she says, right? So, you know, that's the solution, right? So that, that we can be reunited. Ezekiel offers a similar solution. There's always an opportunity for cleansing, for repentance, renewal, and intimacy once again. This is what Ezekiel says after, uh, after all of that turmoil. For I will take you from the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you back to your own land. What does that sound like? Sounds like being reunited. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the stony heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, right? A soft heart. I will put my ruach within you, my spirit. Then I will cause you to walk in my laws so you will keep my rulings and do them. Sounds like the new covenant, doesn't it? Right? Then you will live in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. The uncleanness of Israel, it runs deep because why? She has a heart problem right? But we all have the same heart problem. We don't want to do what God told us to do. So what does she need? She needs a new heart, a new spirit, a new cleansing by the living water, which is what? Atonement, right? So she can actually follow the instruction, the Torah of God, and be a faithful bride, right? But we all need that, right? And we need it periodically, right? I, you know, sometimes I say I take a shower every month whether I need it or not right? You, we need that periodic cleansing as well, right? When the Spirit of God is within us, there's nothing separating us from His presence. He wants to be reunited with us by His Spirit. Speaking of the presence of God, <clears throat> the year was 1979, right? What happened that year? The Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations was formed, which is one of our umbrella organizations, right? That's impressive. But also, perhaps more importantly, peaches and herb reminded us of something. Reunited and it feels so good. Reunited cause we understood, right? You don't remember? Okay. So the good news, literally and figuratively, is that Yeshua has reunited Israel with her husband, the husband priest, and given her a new heart to follow Torah, to, uh, to have a new spirit, right? To be in his presence, a cleansing with the water of life. So we, we should be rooted in, this, in God's longing for us, right? In this restorative atonement, right? This is what defines us, right? Not the mistakes, but the longing of God to be near to us. That's what makes us human. That's what defines our character, right? And so that we would also long for him, right? This should propel us toward restoration toward holy action and the redemption of the earth on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a new story being written here to restore the name of God, right? That was, that was profane. Now it's being restored. And this is the end of the portion. Where do you think we end up? The desolate land has become what? What do you think? Where are we, where are we reunited with God? Let's check it out. The land that was desolate will be tilled instead of being wasteland in the sight of all that pass by. They will say this land that was a wasteland has become like what? Garden of Eden. That's the ultimate reuniting, isn't it? 
yeah, this is what we're looking forward to. You always keep that vision in mind. This is where we're going, right? The reuniting with God, what does that bring? The Garden of Eden back on earth. Turn to someone and say, I'm reunited with God and it feels so good. Right. So let's commit to ignore those hater voices in our head, right? Do you, do you hear that sometimes, the discouragement? We don't need to listen to that. Amen? Okay, why? Because God is faithful. We, le we cling to the promises of God. Just like in the story, we look back at the Torah, right? At the marriage agreement, right? Tell someone, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Tell someone else, he knows my name. We can, we can speak these words to ourselves. We can encourage others as well, right? With the promises of God, right? Amen. Okay. You know, there are seasons, there are definitely seasons where we feel that separation. We feel far from God, right? Kind of like we're in exile. But this is a part of life, right? Because it's exile and then what? Return. Exile and return right? And the idea is to remember that the exile is not the final result. The final result is to be reunited, and it feels so good, in the garden, okay? And all that trust in the Lord, we're all moving toward that result. So let's remember that and encourage one another with those words. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Abba, we thank you that um, we are reunited with you through Yeshua the Messiah, that we are, um, you've given us a new heart, you've given us opportunities to repent and opportunities for restoration. Help us to not listen to those hater voices and to be uh, faithful to your word and to, to encourage ourselves and to encourage um, our, uh, our friends and family um, with your faithfulness, Lord, and your covenantal um, promises that you put in our Torah, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And it may feel like a distance for a while, but that is a part of your plan because where there's exile and there's always return. And you are always faithful to return, just like you were faithful, uh, the king was faithful in the story to return to his bride and bring her the wedding canopy and bring her the expensive clothes and to bring blessings to her. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.